because we get to hear them even, even during the service. Amen? We get to hear the noise over here, but hey, it's a good thing they're in church. Amen? And so we get the kids over here, and we get the cars and the ambulances over here, and they, they pass by, and uh, then I get all those men in back that talk and drink coffee while I'm preaching, and uh, yeah, amen. And uh, they're looking around like, who, you? And I was like, no, that's talking about you, amen. But um, Lord's given us, uh, at least it's lively, amen. God deliver us from a dull and boring church, amen. Keep it lively. That's my motto anyhow. All right, Proverbs chapter 24. We've looked at the first half the last two Sundays, and so today we're going to begin at verse number 27 in this passage. So follow along, starting verse 27, as we read through the rest of the passage. The Bible says here, Prepare thy work without, and make it fit for thyself in the field, and afterward build thine house. Be not a witness against thy neighbor without cause, and Deceive not with thy lips. Say not, I will do so to him as he hath done to me. I will render to the man according to his work. I went by the field of the slothful and by the vineyard of a man void of understanding. And lo, it was all grown over with thorns. Nettles had covered the face thereof. And the stone wall thereof was broken down. And I saw and considered it well. I looked upon it and received instruction. Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall thy poverty come as one that traveleth, and thy want as an armed man. Let's pray this morning. Father, thank you for the Bible today. Thank you for the privilege to look at it, to open our hearts and our minds to your truths, Lord. And we just ask your blessings as we study it today. God, your Holy Spirit would meet with us, and that, Lord, uh, we would have our hearts somewhat prepared, Lord, for the seed of the Word to land on good ground in our hearts today. Thank you for your blessings. Thank you for a good week that you've provided, and uh, bless we ask thy Word again. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, again, we've been talking about wisdom. The book of Proverbs is, of course, the book of wisdom. Today we're going to look specifically at this thought of wisdom in our labor. Wisdom in our labor. Um, you know, work and labor is something that is not, according to the Bible, to be looked down upon. Work and labor are good things. They have many different good effects in our life. Work and labor. Work and labor are something that God has given to us for a benefit. Now, um, if you look back in the book of Genesis, we see where labor began. Um, in the book of Genesis, you remember Adam and Eve, and they were in the Garden of Eden, and the Garden of Eden was a perfect place. And um, it, it was a place where they did not have to do any work. There was no work in the Garden of Eden. And, um, and man, Eve, he, she messed the whole thing up. And it's always those women that make us end up going to work, you know. And I'm just kidding. Amen, just kidding. 
By the way, the Bible puts all the blame on Adam. Amen? God puts it on Adam. Yeah, you ladies like that verse way too much. Amen? Uh, but in the Garden of Eden is really where work originated. Now, when man sinned and fell in the Garden of Eden, God said, all right, now you got to work. Now you got to work by the sweat of thy brow. Uh, and I think the Garden of Eden was very exceptional in the fact that God allowed all that to grow. And um, I think there's plenty of food everywhere. Um, but remember, Adam sinned. And in the Garden of Eden, that w- there was consequences for that. There's always consequences for sin. You can't ever just slip it by. It, it doesn't work. Uh, and so, by the sweat of our brow. Now, from that came the philosophy that that is a, an ingredient for us to be successful in life, is that we accept that responsibility that we have to work and labor. You know, uh, one thing about heaven is that there's no having to work up in heaven. Amen? That'll be good. But you know, what I've noticed about work and life is that it gives a person a fulfillment in life, no matter what type of work he's doing, as long as it's decent and right. It gives a man a fulfillment inside uh, of, of joy and peace and happiness. There's a, there's a certain amount of happiness and pride that comes to us, and I mean a good pride, when we've worked hard, done a days of labor, and been productive and accomplish something. And so work should never be looked down upon. And there's a wisdom in work, there's a wisdom in effort that Scripture is teaching here, and it's in this passage of Scripture. There is some wisdom here. So we're going to pull out some of the things about wisdom here that it talks about. We're going to begin with verse number 27. And so look at verse 27 with me. Scripture says here, prepare thy work without and make it fit for thyself in the field, and afterwards build thine house. Now, here is the idea of, the idea is that a man's gonna build a house, and so he's gonna get all the preparations ready beforehand before he builds that house. Um, And the wisdom is here in the preparation of the building of the house. And and notice some of the things that are key about this preparation. And that is is that he understands that there must be some thought involved before the house can be built. Uh, So he sits down, he begins to think about this. He's going to build a house. Now back in Bible days, things were more simple. They didn't have air conditioning. They didn't have electricity. They just had a house. They built the house typically out of stone in Israel. Stone was plentiful. Um, But all these materials had to be gathered before the house could be built. For example, what if there there was plenty of stone and the walls could be there, but there was not supplies for the roof? You know, what would happen is the stone walls would crumble and erode eventually. Uh, And what good is a house with walls but no roof? Amen? I mean, I'd rather have a roof and no walls than walls and no roof. You know? So, 
Um, the wisdom here in this passage of scripture is seen in forethought, thinking before you actually set out to do that work. You know, I, I think that is an um, important thing to do in any work we do is to think about what we're doing before we actually set the plan in motion. It requires some thought, doesn't it? Now, to most of us, this should be commonplace. But he compares a man who lacks understanding and lacks wisdom to this guy who he, he rejects preparation. Now, preparation is seen in the New Testament, also in Luke chapter 14. So go over to Luke 14. Hold your, hold your finger there in Proverbs. and Go over to the book of Luke, chapter number 14. And notice this um, planning, this preparation here of Jesus' words. Now, if you have a red letter Bible, again, this is in red letters. So Jesus is saying this in his own words. Proverbs chapter, I'm sorry, Luke 14, look at verse 28. It says here, for which of you intending to build a tower sitteth not down first and count the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it. Now notice what he does. He sits down first, doesn't he? He's sitting down. He's contemplating what he needs. He's contemplating the cost of what it's going to cost. Uh, to finish it. And notice if he wasn't able to finish it, there's a consequence in verse 29. Lest happily after he had laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all behold it began to mock him. Um, this is something interesting in Africa. In Africa, when you look around, you'll probably see a third of the houses completely unfinished. You'll see walls, with no roof, and nobody lives in it. And the way they build there is, you don't go get a loan and build a house and get it done and then pay off the loan. No, there's no, there's no borrowing money there. You get a little bit of money, so you put a few more bricks on your house, and then you wait till you get a little bit more money, and you put a few more bricks on your house, and, um, the longer it takes for you to pay off. But when you get done, your house is paid off. The only problem is you've got to live out in the cold for 20 years. All right? Uh, but if you go to Africa, you will see it done that way. Now, here's the problem with doing it that way. A lot of erosion occurs in the process of the dwelling that's built. And you have to put more money into that dwelling to before you ever get to the roof. So actually you're paying for it more times than if you were able to complete it and finish that job uh, completely. So he's saying here, and he's teaching us here in this passage of scripture, count the cost, count the cost. Um, see if you have enough sufficient to build it, or if not, others begin to mock him or criticize him, laugh at him. Ha <laughs> he built, but he was not able to finish. And, um, you know, I think there's an application to the spiritual life here, too. Um, because, you see, God's trying to build our life, isn't he? And sometimes as he's trying to build our life, we quit halfway through the process. And 
we give up. We, we lose that faith in God or we lose our sold out mentality to God. And spiritually speaking, God wants to complete a work in our hearts. And that work that he wants to complete is to grow us to where we're spiritually mature. Where the devil hits us time and time again and it deflects right off us, uh, of us. We are, we are not held uh, by the flesh, the world, the devil, but we spiritually grow past that, learn the principles of God's word to where we become more mature in the Lord. And that way, the devil isn't able to destroy our life. And so, so this important fact applies spiritually to our hearts and our lives. You know, I'll tell you what's a sad thing is, I've seen Christians who, they're saved, they know the Lord, and the Lord works in their life. And all of a sudden, they run into a problem or a difficulty in life, and that difficulty undermines their faith in Christ. And they, they lose, they're not able to finish. You know, um, I want my best spiritual day in my Christian life to be the day that God calls me home. You know, I want that to be the best day in my spiritual growth, my spiritual life. And I realize, as you do, that Satan's going to tempt us. Um, he's going to work on us. The flesh, the devil, the world, they're all spiritual enemies. And so we have to become stronger in the Word of God to not let those things spiritually destroy us. Amen? Because you see a Christian, they're serving the Lord, they have a good testimony, and all of a sudden something happens in their life, and before long, they're rejecting God in their life. And, and the world looks at that, and they laugh, and they say, see, if Christianity was real, he wouldn't do that. You know, now the truth is, is that the world's really just looking for an excuse. That's really the truth. The world just wants to find an excuse so that they can say, I don't believe in God, I don't have to obey God, I don't have to live for God. But we as Christians should never be the source by which they can say that. Amen? We should always be a source of truth and shining right, growing in perfection, growing to maturity uh, in the Lord, where the world, uh, the flesh, and the devil cannot destroy us. And it is a testimony to the world that God's word is true and strong in us. And, um, you know, even as a Christian, the world doesn't understand this, but even as a Christian, we don't know everything about God. We don't understand all that God does. We don't, you know, we can't comprehend God, but we live by faith and we trust him. And we, we walk with him each day so that Satan cannot destroy our life and keep us shining and glorying and joyful in his path. Amen? And so wisdom here is how not only we build a physical house, but how we're building our spiritual houses in the Lord. And so God's teaching us, use wisdom as you build your life and use wisdom as you build the things in your life and, um, and know those things. Okay, 
Let's go on here. Verse number 28. Now, here's another principle. Notice verse 28. Be not a witness against thy neighbor without cause, and deceive not with thy lips. Now, I wrote this down. Deal wisely with neighbors. Deal wisely with your neighbors. Um, And the principle here is giving your neighbor the benefit of the doubt. Those that live with you, those that live around you, um, we, we're given instruction on how as a Christian we should deal with those, those. Notice he says, be not a witness against thy neighbor without cause, and deceive not with thy lips. And now, sometimes we like a neighbor over other people, over, over other neighbors, right? Uh, now let me tell you a little bit. I had a neighbor one time, we built, um, there was a strip of property, and we built a, we put a manufactured house on a strip of property that had, they were going down with six houses down this strip of property and built a road going across, you know. And we were the first one, but our house was located behind another house. And those, those folks were Christian people, but they had a dog that was used to doing his business in the backyard. And they would send the dog out. You go do your business back there in the field. Well, it wasn't a field anymore. It was now my front yard. All right? And guess what? That dog was used to coming in my front yard and doing his business and then going home. And uh, you know what? That irked the fire out of me. And the girls would go out and play in the front yard. And guess what they'd bring in? Yeah, and it didn't smell good either. Amen? They bring that in. And you know, I went to the neighbor one time and just tried to encourage him and talk to him and say, hey, uh, you know, I know your dog's trained to go back out there, but, you know, maybe you could train him to go in a different place. Amen? How do you handle a situation like that, you know? Um, and, to, and to that day, the dog still never got in the habit of doing that. And you know what? I had, to, I had to come to a, a conclusion. Either I'm going to have a bad relationship with my neighbor over that, or I can get my shovel out, scrape it up, and throw it in his yard. <laughs> or I could just scrape it up, throw it in the trash can, and keep a good relationship with my neighbor. Well, The first one is what this old flesh wanted to do, right? But wisdom has to enter into everything we do in life, right? And so, and a Christian often should be willing to take the brunt of things. And and the reason is, is because Christ is our example. Of He took mocking, beating, spitting upon him to accomplish a greater task. And our life is a life that's trying to accomplish a greater task. So sometimes we have to use wisdom when we deal with neighbors and friends. Um, And sometimes be willing to be the one that has to do a little bit extra work or a little bit extra labor so that the ultimate goal of living the Christian life can be achieved. And that, because you know what I wanted to do? I wanted that neighbor one day to see me out there. I wasn't going to go to him and 
get mad. But I wanted him to see me out there with the shovel. Because at that time, we didn't have a dog. I want him to see me out there shoveling and putting it in the trash can. I want him to see that. I don't know if he ever did. But these are things in life that can come up to us with neighbors. You ever had a conflict with a neighbor? <laughs> That's a dumb question. I think we all have. Amen? Um, but God's teaching us, be wise with neighbors. Sometimes take a little bit of a hit or a brunt with a neighbor because the ultimate goal is our Christianity. The ultimate goal, like Jesus did, was to please the Father. And living wisely with our neighbor pleases our Father. So, in that realm, if I ever had a lost neighbor, now that, this particular neighbor was a Christian, but if I ever had a lost neighbor and I, I reacted wrongly to a lost neighbor or just got mad, and I might even be justified in it. But if I could do something to win that neighbor, um, then I would want to try to do that. And I think there's a, there's a point here of being wise with our neighbors and the ones we live with. By the way, a neighbor that gets mad at you, if they're lost, they can cause you a lot of trouble. <laughs> Amen? They can give you a lot of difficulty, you know, um, as a neighbor. And um, I think it's good to always have good relationships with your neighbors, you know? Uh, bring them cookies at Christmas, uh, you know, things like that, just gestures of kindness, not only promotes our Christianity, but it also keeps your neighbors in a good spirit to you. And I think that's what God is teaching us here, is part of wisdom as we build our homes and our lives. Neighbors. All right, let's move on here. Um, verse number 30. Verse number 30. I went by the field of the slothful and by the vineyard of the man void of understanding. Now notice he's got a vineyard, right? What does a vineyard do? What? Produces grapes, right? You're going to get fruit from a vineyard, whatever kind it is. But this vineyard had a man of under, uh, void of understanding. And notice verse 31, lo, it was all grown over with thorns, nettles, had covered the face thereof, and the stone wall thereof was broken down. Okay, so now here's a man, he's got a vineyard. He has something valuable. Now in Bible days, they would pass on their property from generation to generation. That was your home. Obviously, this was probably an inheritance or something that he received because it was a vineyard that was already there. This guy receives this vineyard, and I think he wants the fruit from it, don't you? I, I mean, you'd be crazy not to. I think he wants the fruit from it. But he was not willing to upkeep it and to do the work that was needed to keep the fruit going well. He, uh, the Bible calls him slothful. And of course, this is the picture of a, a sloth who, you know, he moves slowly and he, he just not interested in, in finishing this task or making this, this uh, task better. Obviously, the work was too much for him. 
and he didn't have a desire to accomplish that work, to make sure that his vineyard was fruitful. And it says there in verse 31, it was all grown over with thorns and nettles. Now, these are things that could be avoided with work, right? And the thorns and the nettles go and attack the vine to where it chokes off the vine, and then eventually um, he has no fruit. Uh, Also, what's it like picking fruit in a vineyard when you're stepping on thorns and nettles? What's that like? That makes makes it all the, the more cumbersome, you know, problematic. You gotta go home and pull the thorns out of your feet. So one of the things that I see in the passage is that this man was only helping himself He was only helping himself. Who was the only person going to benefit from the vineyard? Him and his family. And so if he were to take that vineyard and he were to keep it clear, keep keep it good, that fruit is going to grow good in our life. And you know, there's a spiritual application in our life there too, isn't there? How wise it is to take all those little thorns and nettles that get in our heart and in our life, so we don't have to step on them one day, (laughs) right? So we don't have to walk on them one day. Uh, Because, you know, if we we sow something, we reap that. That works both for good, that works for bad. If we sow something good, we're going to reap good. If we sow something bad, we're going to reap something bad. And so this man here, he didn't have this understanding He could not accept the wisdom needed to grow his vineyard in a proper way. So what happened? Thorns, nettles covered the face of it. And then notice also it says, the stone wall thereof was broken down. Now, in Bible days, they would often put a stone wall around their vineyard to protect it from animals, coyotes, you know, whatever gets into these, the the fruit that destroys it. Uh, Solomon even teaches that foxes destroy the vineyard. Uh, Even little foxes can sneak in. But by not repairing the wall, this man was allowing these creatures to get in and steal his fruit. And when 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 he got out there to pick his fruit, guess what? All the foxes got the grapes. And so, this man, for some reason, the Bible calls him a man void of understanding. He couldn't understand that. And, and why is it? Why is it? You know, to us, we can understand that, right? It's like, um, you know, I, some folks don't know this, but you actually have to put oil in a motor You know, you do. Now, what happens if you don't understand that? You get to buy a new engine, right? And maybe a transmission to go with it. Um, Boy, the uh, the uh, the car uh, the car mechanics really like to see people void of understanding. They like it. Um, So. What, 
What does he have to do to get, he has to get all the money together to get that thing fixed. So he eventually has to go to work. But now he's working to pay for those mistakes. And whereas wisdom, if we use wisdom, we can avoid a lot of mistakes in life. And it can really help us be more profitable and blessed in our life. So the whole idea of the passage here is to, to sit down and think beforehand. Have some time where we contemplate what God is trying to get in us, the wisdom that he wants us to have about these principles in considering it, thinking about it, and actually following through all the way till the finished part. So notice verse 32 says this. It says here, then I saw and considered it well. Um, this guy's problem is he was not seeing or he did not want to see the thorns and the nettles. He didn't want to look at it. How many of you ever had a difficulty or a problem and you're like, I don't want to look at it? <laughs> Guilty as charged, right? I don't want to deal with that problem. You know, we do have problems in life. Nobody's void of problems. I don't care if you're saved or not, you're going to have some issues in life. However, wisdom can make our problems much better if we learn by God's help how to handle those, those situations. So we have to look at it, don't we? We have to see it for what it is, think about it, and, and, and be wise. You know, God will guide a Christian in wisdom in his problems. God will guide us He's not just the God of our good times. He's the God in our difficulties too. And, and, you know, sometimes we get this idea that if I'm a Christian, I'm saved, we should never have any difficulties or problems in life. Well, that's just not true. Problems are common to all humans. Doesn't matter who you are. But God is the one that helps us through them so that we can return glory and praise to him for working through and figuring out those situations for us. Um, and it's great to see God work in our life. Amen? Um, and so we have to look at it. Look at that problem. Look at that situation. Assess it for what it is. Consider it. And, and be wise. And notice we see, receive instruction through it. In other words, it shows his heart. He was willing to receive instruction, verse 32. Uh, he receives instruction. All right, he says, okay, it's time to go in my vineyard, clean out all those nettles, time to build that wall, put the fence back up, you know. It's time to get all that done so that that fruit can grow in our life. And, and that's wisdom. And that's wisdom not just in our physical things we do in life, that's wisdom in our spiritual heart, how we grow. Amen? We grow by seeing the difficulty, seeing the problem, and asking God's help to receive instruction on how to get through it. And God does. Amen? God will be there with instruction, and we just have to be wise and hear what God says. All right, now, verse 33. Notice a deeper issue here with this guy. Verse 33 
Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. Now, notice how it says, yet a little sleep. Well, what's wrong with a little sleep? <laughs> you know? What's wrong with a quick nap? Well, he's not talking about that. He's talking about the mentality of this man void of understanding. He's saying, this guy, he just always wants a little sleep. He's got this mind that he, he's not looking at the situation. He's not looking at the nettles and the thorns. He wants to avoid it. And he wants to avoid it out of his mind by just going to sleep. That's his answer for it. And, and can I tell you, this is never a good answer. It's never a good answer in our life to just say, I'm just going to sleep right through it. Um, let me tell you something. I believe a lot of people today are depressed because the problem arised. They weren't willing to receive God's instruction in handling it. And they just want to put it out of their mind. They want to ignore it, go to sleep. And that's never an answer. We're, we're told to be diligent in our life. We're told to be diligent. That diligence only blesses and benefits us. But it also gives glory and honor to God when we're diligent with things. Um, I've noticed when I'm, when I'm diligent with something, it does well. When I'm not, it doesn't do well. Um, and so it's important. It's important he's teaching us here to receive instruction. Now, there's three different words here in verse 33 that seem to mean the same, but they're not. The first one is sleep, and it just simply means go to sleep. The second word is slumber, a little slumber. And that word is drowsiness. In other words, he, he doesn't want to do anything. He just... He really is just lazy. He's just drowsy. He wants to walk around doing nothing. You ever know anybody like that? <laughs> yeah. Don't raise your hand, okay? Don't raise your hand. But there's people like that. And then the third word here is a little folding of the hands to sleep. Now, this word actually has a sexual connotation to it. In other words, this guy just wants to mess around all his life. Um, his mind is stuck in that world and it's not stuck on paying attention to what he's supposed to be doing in life. And that's what the last word sleep has an understanding of. So the important thing here to realize is that a Christian cannot drift into that mode, can't drift into that mentality. Um, because it just causes us nothing but destruction. So the only answer is for us to preemptively, when we see those thorns and nettles start to come and grow, chop them out right away. Amen? That's the diligent procedure of wisdom. Wisdom says, oh, if I let that grow, it can do this, that, and the other. Uh, so I'm going to take that out right now. If I don't put, repair that wall, those little foxes are going to come into 
they're going to jump over that wall and eat all my grapes. So I'm going to take time to fix that wall, make preparation to fix it. And, and what happens here is, is the mentality of that Christian is blessed. And, and, and so he says, but, but what he's bringing to light here is what happens when the mentality of diligence is not in our heart. He's talking about a man here. His, his, man, his field is a mess. You know, he's losing everything he has because he has this mentality in his life. And then verse 34 goes on and describes him a little bit further here. Verse 34, it says, So shall thy poverty come as one that traveleth. How many of you ever traveled? Did it cost more to travel somewhere than you thought it would? It does. It does. There's this little fee here and there's this little charge there. And, uh, you know, when you're planning to go somewhere, you, you don't think about all the little expenses like the toll booths and the, uh, the, this, that, and the other, and the, the, the little expenses you didn't quite see. Um, poverty comes when you're traveling. And when you come home with no money, you got to start all over again. Amen? Um, but that's what it's talking about. So shall thy poverty come as one that traveleth. Now, this guy's not even traveling, but because he doesn't have wisdom, everything he has in life is just being depleted, going away. Now, this does not mean that somebody who is poor is not a success. And here's the principle. The principle is no matter what, you are alive. Whether you're poor, rich, in the middle, it doesn't matter. What matters is you're diligent with what God has given you. That you're faithful with what God has given you. And in that realm, God blesses you in accordance to the level of faithfulness that we have where God has put us in life. And you know what? You say, well, I'm not rich. But do you realize this? Rich people have a greater... Um, responsibility to be diligent because God's given them more. Amen? There's a greater responsibility to be diligent. Uh, you say, I don't have anything. <laughs> Sometimes that's a good thing. Amen? But wherever you're at in life, this principle does not mean that your status determines your diligence. Amen? Can I tell you, it's your diligence that determines your blessings. That's the truth. And this is the principle of the Bible. This is what he's trying to get through. And so he's saying, as one traveler, poverty comes to this guy. He lives in poverty and he has nothing. Now, the Bible does not teach that if you're a Christian, you're going to be wealthy automatically. All right? There are wealthy men who lived godly in the Bible, but there are many who did not um, and, and did not have a lot in life. And, and, but you know, really, the less we have in life, the more necessity to be diligent with it. Because that diligence is what will create the blessings in our life and the blessings of God on our life. So, key to this is all is be diligent no matter where we are. 
whatever place we have. Um, take care of everything. Take care of your home, your family. Be wise about these things. Don't allow your mind to drift into a, a, a mentality of sleep and an unwillingness to look at an issue or a problem in life. Yeah, that problem's going to cause you a little bit of difficulty. It's going to cause, cause you some stress and maybe money. Time and money. But it's so much better to look at an issue, look at a problem in our life, deal with it with diligence, and let God work it out through our wisdom and through our work that God gives us. Amen? All right, we're going to stop right there today. Great principles we're seeing. We're going to start chapter 25 next week and uh, pick up on some more wisdom from the book of Proverbs in our life. Let's pray.